episode five, the Amazon Sellers Playbook. Today, we are going to talk about the key components, the basics, if you will, and the requirements in order to have success on Amazon. We're gonna cover product. Product is still king and queen. We're gonna talk about laying the foundation with a good brand, with intellectual property, with great listings. We're gonna talk about how to drive traffic and why that's so critical to this Amazon Sellers Playbook fast, free, error-free shipping. Launch, listen, learn, and act. This is a repetitive process. Rinse, repeat, and do it again about 300,000 times. This episode, ladies and gentlemen, is about how to sell on Amazon the right way. Thinking long-term with the right Amazon sellers. Welcome to the Day 2 Podcast, where we give you the unfiltered truth to launch, grow, and protect your brand on Amazon and beyond. I'm Jason Boyce, founder and CEO of Avenue 7 Media and host of the Day 2 Podcast. With me today is Shannon Roddy, Amazon strategist, educator, business development lead for Avenue 7 Media. Shannon, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to do this episode. We've, you know... We started off with the origin story. We talked about myths of Amazon, biggest Amazon seller mistakes. Then we talked about the algorithm and how Amazon really works. If you have not listened to those episodes, go back and listen to those. And today we're talking about how to be successful long-term on Amazon. Love it. Love it. So look, Shannon, let's dive in. Let's talk about this idea of product. You've been talking with consulting, educating brands for a long time. Set the stage. What are we talking about here? What do we mean by the Amazon seller's playbook? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Jason, because the way I look at it and the, what I teach the brands that we talk to is you have to do things correctly. And what's amazing is most brands want that one-off success. They're looking for that slam dunk, but success comes from doing the right things the right way repeatedly. And most of the brands that I talk to, they're not even doing the basics correctly. You know, if you want to win a basketball game, it's not just about slam dunks. What wins games is pass, dribble, and shoot. It's the fundamentals. And if you execute those correctly over time, you'll win. And I have a, a great story that I want to kind of uh, share to frame this up is there's two brands that I worked with over the past six years. One of them had this overnight viral sensation. They had a Kickstarter campaign that launched off a video that went viral. Get this, Jason, it got a hundred million views. Wow. We sold out in less than five days and our sales increased, I kid you not, 300,000% from the week before. Overnight success. That, that'll this spike the, the algorithm. <laughs> this is the kind of things people dream about, right? But they weren't executing the fundamentals. They weren't fixing product problems. They weren't handling customer service issues. They were not doing the basics correctly. The other brand that I worked with executed the fundamentals. They listened to customer feedback. They responded slow and steady month over month, year over year growth. And company A is now struggling and barely hanging on despite all their initial viral success. And the second brand had a huge exit last year because of their success on Amazon. So from a, from a framework standpoint, stop looking for the slam dunks and let's work on executing the fundamentals correctly. No, I, that's well said, Shannon. Um, did you say 100 million views on that? That's incredible. 100 million. People talk about like America's got uh, it's got 10 million views. We're like, that's nothing. We got 100 million views globally. It went viral all around the world. You know, maybe we should talk offline and see if that product and IP is available. Um, you know, but, but it, you know, <laughs> Janet, it brings, up, it brings up a really great point. Product is king and product is queen. You 
have to have a great product. We'll talk about this later in the episode, but the customer has more power than they've ever had in the history of the world when it comes to consumerism, right? And so product is king, product is queen. If you launch something and you get a viral success and you're not listening to the customer, and look, you don't have to launch with the perfect product on Amazon. I never launched with the perfect product when I was developing my own product, never did it, but I would put it out in the wild and I would keep my ear very closely to the ground and listen and listen for customers who use their own credit card to pay for a thing and to have an experience when they told me, especially when things went bad, uh, I would listen to them and I would make adjustments. So I knew when that inventory was gone and maybe I'll discount it if it's something egregious that I, that I missed in product development, the next time that inventory lands, it's going to be better because I'm taking that customer-driven innovation provided in great extent from Amazon through product ratings, product reviews, Q&A, um, customer service interactions, and building that into a better mousetrap. If you don't do that, if you're not willing to do that, you will not succeed on Amazon. Yeah. So Jason, in terms of product is king, product is queen, give our audience some specifics of what that means, what that looks like, and maybe some examples or illustrations for that. Yeah, well, look, I'll give you one. It's a client that's no longer a client of ours. They were in the fitness category. They came to us and said, Jason, Two and a half years ago, we were doing $100,000 a month in sales with this product. And I immediately, Shannon, as you can imagine, red flags went off. What are you doing now? Right. We're doing nothing. I'm like, oh, okay. So you went from 100000 a month to nothing. <laughs> What's the problem? So we, we started to take a look at the product. And more importantly, we looked at the competition. What happened? The competition had passed them by. Not only had the mm -hmm. competition come in and built a better uh, product, reading likely their negative reviews, they the, the competition read their negative reviews, improved on it in a better product with a better value proposition, and then launched it, of course, for you know, 10, 15, 20% less in retail than our client. And 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 then there were five of them. It went from no one, he was the only game in town, and then there were five of them, all of them with better products, all of them with better reviews at a lower price point, and he couldn't understand why we couldn't grow them. And I said, look. The game has passed you up and you yeah. have to pay attention and you have to not only improve, if you're not going to improve, then you need to be cheaper price. You, you know, for, for offering less, you can't expect to ask for more and, and not be eaten alive by the competition. So that, I mean, that's one example, Shannon, that I can think of. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite lines from Moneyball, um, you know, and he said, <laughs> adapt or die, right? Adapt or die. And that's, and that's totally Amazon. It's not just about having a great product though. You've also got to lay a great foundation. And the way I look at it is like, you've got to lay the foundation just like a building, right? right. If you build, start building a building and you don't have a foundation, the whole thing's going to come crashing down. Um, do you have any examples of what it means to lay a great foundation when it comes to Amazon? Yeah. Look, when we're talking about laying the foundation, we're talking about that listing, right? We're talking about that main image that's searchable, that product title that can be seen, the pieces of your product listing that can be seen from the Amazon search results. The vast majority of clicks come from searching. They're not browsing. It's really hard to browse half a billion products and tens and hundreds of thousands of subcategories. You just can't do it. You got to use search. So laying that listing foundation is really important. There's two elements in my mind, Shannon, when it comes to, to, to a listing. Number one, you have to know the highest volume, most relevant keywords. And you can do that with the reverse ASIN lookup. There's a lot of great tools out there. Helium 10, uh, Scope is out there from Seller Labs. 
Um, Jungle Scout has some reverse ASIN lookup tools with Cobalt, et cetera, where you could take a look at the best selling items in your uh, product uh, competitors in your category, reverse engineer, and identify which keywords are driving the most sales for them and make sure adopting right. those in your listing. So lay a good solid foundation. And there's a science to it, right? There's, there, there, yeah. You don't want to keyword stuff. It's like the old Google days. You can't do that. But there's definitely a science to it. And you, and you have to lay out and lay down your SEO foundation. I would say without a doubt that all of the top 5%, 10% of of sellers on Amazon understand this SEO game for the most part. Fewer of them understand the next part about laying the foundation. And that is putting a product that does the following. It gives the consumer the answer to the question, what's in it for me if I give you my credit card, right? What's the real benefit? How is this going to improve my life? How is this going to change my life? How is this going to impact my life if I give you my money, right? And, and a good way to talk about it, and we talk about this all the time internally, features tell, but benefits sell. My good friend, Rick Cesare taught me this line, you know, a hundred thousand years ago. And, you know, I have lived <laughs> by it ever since because it's so true. If you can identify the individual story and the true benefits of your product in your listing with great copy, great messaging, great images with aspirational, happy people that look so freaking happy when interacting with your product that you have to surgically remove their smile from their face, those kind of people, it speaks to a part of the brain that bypasses the frontal lobe, goes into the amygdala and hits the feeling center of, of, of the consumer's mind and heart, and it gets them to buy at a higher rate. Conversion rates are higher, sales are higher, and you make customers happier. That is if you've done the first part, which is making sure your right. product is really well done and really reviewable. It's, it's one of the first things that I learned when I started learning about sales funnels uh, using click funnels and stuff several years ago is I kept thinking I was, I was selling people an Amazon course and my mentor had to keep reminding me, he goes, you're not selling a course, you're selling the end result. And that's what you're doing as a seller of a product on Amazon. You're selling the end result. You're not selling a hairdryer. You're yeah. selling uh, faster dry hair that's more convenient for you that gets you out the door five minutes. That's faster. right. That's what you're selling. That's right. You're selling the end result. And look, Shannon, stop me if I've said this story already on our podcast already. You know, we're at episode <laughs> five because th- I, this is one of my favorite stories. When I first was introduced to Rick, I showed him one of our table tennis listings and it looked like a factory spec sheet. And mm-hmm. and, I, and then I showed him the video because, you know, here's Rick, right? Who'd done like $100 billion direct TV campaigns with GoPro camera and George Foreman girl. And I'm showing him, I, I got a video, Rick. I'm so cool. Look at my video. And what, what was the video? It was an assembly video. And Rick looks at it and he's so kind. He smiled and he goes, wow, wow, that looks like work. And I was, all he had to say was that Shannon, I got message received. I was like, oh, and you know, it was yeah. a spec sheet and the listing was terrible and it was very heavy specs. And you know, basically what I was doing was telling my competitors exactly what my specs were so that they could copy me from my probably one of my factories. And so after having multiple conversations with Rick and learning from him and how he had so many successes in billion dollar brands, you know, what we came up with with that table tennis later is we came up with, instead of talking about the, the thickness of the legs, the thickness of the table, all important features, we came in and we said, you know what? We bring friends and family together. 
if that's not the message for a ping pong table, I don't know what it is. Unless you're a professional ping pong table player, that's what you've got, you know? You still can't play by yourself. I play with my daughter. <laughs> you still can't play I, by yourself. I got one in my garage. We we yeah. whip it out. My daughter's play. My wife plays. She's very competitive, by the way. I don't recommend playing her. Um, and, you know, that's the key. That is a benefit. Yeah, that's the branding messaging that you've got to get across. And I guarantee you, your product has a benefit that you can put up. Once you talk about that, then they're like, yeah. And then, and then in the, in the graphics and the visual side of things, Shannon, we did a photo shoot, we did some video shoot and we had a family. It wasn't a real family. I'm admitting this now, I think for the first time, but they were an aspirational, a young couple with a child and, and they were playing tennis and they were smiling and having fun, just like my daughters and I do. And we put that in the images and our engagement improved 400%. Our, 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 our conversion oh, yeah. rate improved dramatically, like 300% yeah. and our sales dramatically improved. It was, it was mid double digit. And that's laying the foundation in a nutshell. Yeah. It seems like there's two aspects. You have to build the product, but building the listing on Amazon is almost like building a second product. That much work has to go into it to the design, the architecture, thinking it through, taking what your listing is on your website and throwing it on Amazon is not going to work. So once somebody has laid the foundation, and we say this all the time, if you build it, they will not come. <laughs> you have to drive traffic. That's right. Got to drive traffic. It's about clicks. You know, I think in the previous episode, Shannon, we talked about that use case story with the Samsung, um, Samsung cases and how Amazon mm -hmm. had to change their search algorithm to, to account for clicks, um, not, just, not just searches and sales because the covers were uh, outranking the actual Samsung tablets at a higher price point. And so you've got to drive traffic to your listing. That's the signal that Amazon's A9 algorithm must hear from you about your product. They must know that people are seeing your product, that are clicking your product, and then lastly, buying your product. And when the algorithm sees that, when the algorithm sees that that happens at a high rate or at a rate that's equivalent or better than the competition, you will your cream will rise to the top, so to speak, and you will get higher and higher organic search results ranking. Your ads will perform better. Your ads for a lower cost will get higher placements uh, because their relevancy score to go along with those clicks will continue to increase. And man, I got to tell you, Shannon, once you have had the experience of launching a product that hits that flywheel spinning, where you go from five sales to 50 sales to 5,000 sales, it's, it's awesome. It feels really good. It's exciting <laughs> and you want to do it again and again and again and driving traffic. We're all, we're all adrenaline junkies right? is basically, basically. the, I mean, I mean that's the life of an Amazon seller, right? You're adrenaline junkie. You know, product, product is great. Lay the foundation and then drive clicks and sales and traffic and you'll succeed. I, I want to give you one more story, Shannon, about the importance of driving traffic, the right kind of traffic. And we've got a very big client, you know, the nine, a very big nine figure brand. And they've got their own team that does, you know, really great listings and all of that stuff, but they weren't really performing. And so they're an advertising only client for us here at Av7. And we went in and we went into their sponsored ad campaigns and now we're layering in DSP campaigns and we started doing what? Driving traffic to their listings. They've had a 400% increase in their sales. Same listings, which were great to begin with, right? Same product, which was great to begin with, but it was dogging it because they didn't have the right advertising strategy in place. And you know, I, I have a feeling that ultimately this brand is going to 10X uh, if we continue to see the results that we've been seeing from an ads management perspective. 
It's incredible. So once we lay the foundation and we drive traffic, you get into fulfillment. Once you make the sale, so this is post-sale, the product has to be fulfilled. For a third-party seller, you've got fulfillment by Amazon or FBA. You also have fulfilled by merchant or what people call FBM, which is where Amazon provides you the order information and you ship it out directly. There are some clients and some categories and cases where you have to do that. Maybe it's a multiple product you got to ship during the summer. Yeah. Um, in some cases, I've worked with a lot of frozen products, which frozen actually easier than refrigerated. So they'll ship frozen products. Uh, you can't use FBA for that currently. And they got a pilot program though. I'm hearing, I'm hearing rumors and real examples. They got a pilot program. If you, if you send it in a refrigerated truck, then they'll store it for you. But it, it's very early. But you're right. You know, yeah. those, those products are important. You got to be able to send it with dry ice. Otherwise, it ain't going to make it. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're always beta testing, always innovating. Um, and one of the things that we like to do is if you've got an FBA listing, recommend having an FBM listing as a backup. If Amazon, if you run out of inventory, if Amazon pulls your inventory for some reason, that you've got that backup offer, especially during high season times, like Prime Day, obviously, uh, or, or Q4. But Jason, the number one reason that I see sellers get suspended is for late shipping. Yeah. So if you use that FBM option, you better be prepared. But but talk about why FBA is so important. Well, I had that happen to me, Shannon. I had that happen to me where we were we were we, our late ship rate and our pre fulfilled cancel rate was slow, and then Amazon changed their algorithm and we got you know we got suspended for a month. It's hard to make payroll when you're on when your sales are turned off from Amazon for for a month, and you know. Fast free shipping was 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 basically pioneered by Amazon. I still remember when Amazon had the press release that came out that said we are going to offer for Prime subscribers. Of course, you got to pay seventy dollars or whatever it was at the time. I remember it was seventy nine or sixty nine. Um, if you pay sixty nine dollars a year or seventy dollars a year, then we will deliver. We guarantee that we will get you your delivery in two days. And everyone's like, that's crazy. And all the business consultants were like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. They're going to lose money. They're never going to make it. And, um, and sure enough, I mean, the rest is history. Prime is now so powerful that Amazon's testing a beta where they're allowing e-commerce sellers on their own website to put the Prime badge because it has been such an incredible, incredible thing. Fast shipping matters. And, you know, Shannon, last night yeah. I was... Google searching like crazy to find this study. I read a study and I cannot remember who did it. I think it was Deliver or one of the logistics capabilities, but they found an internal study from Amazon. And it showed the increase in sales when they went from four or five day shipping to two day. And it was almost like a 40% increase in revenue. It was high 40s, right? And sure. then whenever they offer yeah, yeah. next day shipping, that increase is 70%. So now you know why Amazon is investing so much in the logistics that one day shipping is kind of the holy grail. It is incredibly convenient. You know, I, I, I ran out of dishwashing pods for my dishwasher yesterday or day before yesterday. And I was like, <laughs> crap, I don't have time to go to the grocery. I pulled up my prime app. I ordered my dishwashing pods and they were there the next night by 10. So I didn't miss a beat. I didn't have any dirty dishes. I was able to get it and drop it in last night. So that's what one day shipping does. And I probably would have ran to the store if I, if I didn't have that because I, I, I would have a mistake. One day shipping, fast free shipping is really important. I'm going to tell you one more story, Shannon. We, um, in my previous life, <laughs> as a big Amazon seller, I, I can't remember if I told you this before or not, but as a big Amazon seller, we, we kind of reached a plateau at one point in our 17-year career and we hired some really great resume 
high cost consultants to come in and tell us what was wrong with our business and how we could grow. And um, these folks that had been in C-suite level jobs at Best Buy and big companies like that, right? Enormous companies came in and said, here's what you should do. You should not offer free shipping. You should charge for shipping. And then that cost on your P&L becomes a revenue driver. And this is what your bottom line will look like after you do this for about six months. So immediately my brother looked at me and my, my brother looks at me, we do that shit. We're going to lose half our sales overnight. And I was like, ah, I think you're right. I feel the same thing, but look, these guys are so much smarter than us. These guys are like from the C-suite, right? They're really expensive. We're paying them a lot an hour. If we don't follow their advice, what are we paying them for? So dumb mistake. I did it. And within two weeks, we'd lost 30% of our revenue by breaking out and, and charging for shipping. And, you know, by the end of the month, we'd lost half of our sales, yeah. just like my brother had said. And um, the next the next month, we were frantically moving to re- update pricing on, I think at the time we had 10,000 SKUs. But that illustrated to me, and I will never forget that lesson, and I will never make that mistake again. Free shipping is the name of the game now. It's got to be fast. It's got to be free, and it can't have any mistakes. If you do that, your business will grow. So one of the things that we learned when Amazon first offered Prime Shipping is in every single marketplace, sales skyrocketed, except one place, Jason. Do you know what that place was? In France. You know why? Because they didn't offer free shipping. They charged a franc, one franc. And they went back and they're like, why is France not taking off? And they literally took that one franc off and France took off. So <laughs> yes, uh, the data is there. You have to offer free shipping. And I tell brands, you know, a lot of people get nervous. They're like, but I can't offer the price on my website that I do on Amazon. I'd lose money. And I'm like, look, you charge $5 or $10 a ship on your website, add that to your cost of your product on Amazon. And people don't understand this until you show them the data. A $20 product with $10 shipping will not sell as well as a $30 product with free shipping. That's right. Same cost. So you got to factor it in. I will just, you know, again, as a disclaimer, if you are doing merchant fulfilled, you must have backup systems. You must have people manually overlooking that because if you miss, Amazon doesn't care that, oh, sorry, our integration broke or oops, we fulfilled all those orders, but we didn't get the shipment confirmation back. Amazon doesn't care. You will get suspended. So heads up, make sure you get that out fast and yeah. uh, and always stay on top and of And look, that. Shannon, as an Amazon seller, the easiest way to get your fast free shipping is send it to, send it to FBA fulfillment by Amazon and you, you know, take advantage of that prime badge. Um, if you, if you have one of those use cases that you talked about where you can't really use prime, then the alternative is to use a lot of great, you know, to use great three PEL services and be, have your inventory placed in three parts of the country. And we used to do uh, four day shipping delivery guarantees for LTL freight items by having inventory in Salt Lake city, we had inventory in Columbus, Ohio, and we had inventory in Atlanta. And typically in those three locations, even on the freight side, you can deliver super fast. Certainly if you're yeah. using FedEx or UPS, you know those three locations can get 98 to 98 plus percent of the country in two days with regular ground shipping rates. You identify what your average ground shipping rate is. You build that into your, your pricing model for your structure to make sure that after you pay for shipping uh, within a range, you still make a profitability. And you're absolutely right. Offer that free shipping, the marketing power of that alone will pay for it, pay for itself. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think, what, what is there, like 150 million Amazon Prime customers in the US alone? Yeah. You know, it, it's insane. And one of the stats that I heard early on, Jason, because customers will say, I lose money when I do FBA. So I should do merchant fulfilled because I save money. And here's the stat that you have to pay attention to. Amazon Prime members, 80% of Amazon Prime members filter by free two-day shipping. They just hit that little switch, that little toggle in their app or on the desktop. Yeah. And so if you're not using FBA, they don't even see your products. They do not exist. They literally don't show up in search results. And those Prime members, Jason, spend two to three times more than non-Prime members. You cannot afford to miss out on that much. Hell, Shannon, my wife alone spends four times as much um, uh, with her Prime account. But you know, James Thompson, our, our, our friend James, was the first account manager for the FBA service. Uh, I'm dating myself here. We went way back. James called, picked up the phone and called me and said, Jason, you got to send your small package inventory into our warehouse. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm not sending inventory to you guys. I already don't like you guys. And now you're going to have my inventory <laughs> too. And I'm, you're going to be in control of that as well. And he says, Jason, listen to me. I guarantee you, if you send these items into the FBA center, you'll see a 30% increase in revenue because of the prime badge. I said, send me the address, James. It'll be there in a couple of days. And it's yeah. like, I mean, that's that's all you need to know. 30% increase. There's nobody that I know that wouldn't uh, be gratified by getting an additional 30% revenue. No. And on the high end, it's 5X. And I've heard that from I've Amazon employees. On the high We've end, seen it. Yeah. it's, it's, five, it's yeah. 5X. So don't ignore that. Jason, you alluded to this in the beginning. We kind of got off topic. Not like we ever we never do that. that. We're always um, very strict. <laughs> not that you ever do that. <laughs> no, nobody's pointing fingers on this podcast. Um, but you talked about how the customer has the power. In this day and age, whether it's social media, whether it's consumer power, now more than ever, the customer has power. Uh, why is that more true on Amazon than anywhere else? Yeah, I mean... Um... It's never been like this because anyone can pull up their Twitter account and wreck a company. Uh, I've done it. <laughs> train wreck. You can absolutely train wreck a company. And I did it with my cable company. Not that they care because I was one of a hundred thousand leaving bad tweets that day about terrible cable company service. Um, but yeah, right. I, mean, I mean, that's, that's what's happening. All four of the things that we've talked about already, Shannon, you got to have a product, right? You got to lay the foundation. You got to drive traffic and you got to have fast free shipping that that is mistake free all speak to the fact that if you're doing all those things really well for the consumer um, then you'll be rewarded if you're not doing one of those things then the customer will wreck you they they can now more than ever leave a terrible review or a string of reviews and you know the really pissed off customers if you're really not taking care of them They'll leave a bad review on Amazon. Then they'll go to your Shopify store and they'll wreck you there. And then they'll go to Google and they'll wreck you there and they'll go on social media and you're toast. You know, you just can't get on top of that. And so what's a better way to go? Listen to them, fix their problems, yeah. take care of them. You know, we used to have this problem once in a while where an LTL freight company would damage a ping pong table. You know, we were talking about ping pong. Sure. And, sure. and um, it was really costly for us to send another one. And sometimes, you know, folks would, would not be there to sign it or they wouldn't notice the damage when they signed it, whatever. Right. So, you know, in the beginning we would be like, no, that's on you. You didn't, you didn't see the damage. And so it's on you. Right. And so right. we would get destroyed. And then ultimately we got smart. It didn't, didn't take us long to get smart, but we would ask ourselves if we had 10 bad reviews all over the internet about our business and about this product, would we pay $500 to get it removed? 
And what was the answer? Yeah. Hell yes. yeah. So give them that product. <laughs> Say you're sorry. Send them a new one. Even if it's $1,000, would you pay $10,000? Probably. I mean, you probably pay $5,000 to get it reviewed, right? It's a cheap date sure. to take care of the customer and it will prevent negative blowback. And, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the day and age that we live in. It's a great time to be a consumer. Um, it's not as yes. good a times as the roaring 80s to be a product maker, uh, but it's also incredibly gratifying when you can have the consumer help you fix your product, make it great, and then, of course, benefit from all those other four things we've talked about already. Yeah, Jason, I'm going to brag on Becca Dunn, who's still one of my favorite Amazon customer service reps ever. And what I loved about her was Becca could take a bad experience and win that customer over and they would love her afterwards. They would yeah. tell all of their friends about the product and the brand. And Southwest Airlines, who's obviously still rated one of the best customer service airlines uh, in history, they found after doing an internal study that 80% of customers who have a bad experience that you take care of, which means exactly what you said, you go back and you make it right they will stick with you for life, okay? Now, obviously, I'm talking about an airline, not necessarily a consumer product, like I bought a cell phone you know, case you know, off the Amazon, but the principle is true. Take care of your customers and they will take care of you. Bend over backwards for them because I'm like, look, this is the only time you ever have a chance to engage with your customers. Why would you not take that opportunity? Wouldn't you, you know, people pay for market research for people who don't buy their products? So yeah. Yeah. get in front of the customer and use that opportunity to win them over and show them what kind of a brand you are. Yeah. And I'm going to give you one more bad example. You know, we got, we got a client that we're going to potentially offboard. They sell kitchenware products. Um, they got a string of bad reviews because there was a problem with the product. Okay. They didn't check the box on item number one from today. And then the toll-free number to call to get service at their headquarters didn't work or the mailbox was full because there was a lot of people doing that. Right. And he got a string of bad reviews and I'm having a conversation when he's like, I got to, I really want to go in there and give those reviewers a piece of my mind. Right. It's like an $800 item, <laughs> $800. I said, that would be a bad idea. Good that would be a bad idea. If you want to close your doors in a couple of weeks, go ahead and do it. If you want to be able to grow, go ahead and do it. And you know, look, ultimately not every client's a good fit for us and not every client is a good fit for the 21st century where the customer is absolutely in control. You've got to bend, you've got to yield, and you got to make it right. Um, and, and great example, Shannon, you fix problems for consumers, they're not going to forget it. They're going to appreciate that. Yeah. Now, Jason, uh, we got back from the Seller Velocity Conference in Bend, Oregon last month. You did a phenomenal job talking about the age of the micro brands. And you talked about this process of launching, listening, learning, responding fast, and the difference between, you know, sort of the big brands who do a top-down approach versus the micro brands that do that, you know, small iterative process, learning process. And it was such a great talk. I wish we could have, you know, had that here recorded and, and share with our audience, but talk about what that process is and why it's so important for not just the customers, but for the brand. Oh, thank you, Shannon. And, and thanks for the, your kind words. That was a really fun show. And I really enjoyed the engagement with a lot of sellers in the crowd. Um, so look, yeah, you know, one of the reasons why these big consumer product brands are struggling a little bit in today's day and age is because they don't understand that the customer has the power. More importantly, they don't have the relationship with the customer. Who they have a relationship with? They have a relationship with the big buyer who cuts the PO for them, right? Yeah. But, you know, that that buyer is you know, limited in, in the kind of direct information. If they had a direct relationship like our clients do 
with the end consumer, like all great Amazon sellers and Shopify direct-to-consumer sellers do, Instagram sellers do, where they're listening and reading customer feedback, where they're talking to the end user, not someone from a paid focus group who's paid to be there to talk about a product they probably wouldn't have bought in the first place, but someone who's used their own money, their own credit card to buy something and had a real experience. You know, the folks that we talk to that, that, that embrace that are the future billion dollar brands. Uh, and I believe it. This we are in the age of the microbrand, the golden age of the microbrand. Tools like Amazon, FBA, um, you know, Shopify, making these systems incredibly SaaS enabled and, 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 and enabled. Companies like D D Deliver with warehouse companies that can provide amazing experience allows these great young brands to be able to be great and to focus on what matters by having that direct relationship with the consumer, listening to them, iterating on the product driving the right kind of traffic, um, you know, and doing all those things to, to delight customers. And frankly, some of the old brands are going to die. And the brands that we're going to, you know, our grandkids are going to be talking about are, gonna, are the ones that are being born right now on Amazon and on Shopify. If, if they, they, they take it seriously and they, and they take advantage of this goldmine of information from the consumer today. Yeah. The example I brought up in uh, your talk in the Q&A section was Apple and the iPod. You know, so it's like they came out with their first model and then bam, 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 iterate, iterate, iterate. And not only did they iterate the first model, they came out with additional models. So then you had the iPad, iPod, then you had the iPod Nano and the iPod Shuffle and on and on. And they iterated, iterated, iterated every single step. They acted like a micro brand. That's yeah. what allowed them to become the most valuable company in the world was acting like a micro brand. And it's amazing that most big brands don't have the ability to act that quickly, whereas most smaller brands do. But but I think you're right. It's the key to success um, for any brand of any size to win in this day and age. And look, Steve Jobs was a genius. I'm no Steve Jobs. And there, there aren't any. There aren't any more like them, right? There's probably a handful of folks like them. But here's what's cool about this customer-driven innovation. By listening to your consumer and having a, a direct relationship with your customer, you too can develop products that would be Steve Jobs worthy. And I think that's incredibly powerful and folks don't realize it. You know, the, 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 the soon to be former client that I talked about doesn't get, that's old school thinking, right? Yeah. New school thinking is embrace this, embrace this yeah. age, take advantage of the tools, listen to the consumer and do it better to wow consumers. And, and, and everyone can be a little mini Steve Jobs if they do that. Yeah. Amazon is a data company. So take advantage of that data. Use it. It's the best product iterative feedback you will ever get in the history of commerce. Yeah, so, and you know, the thing um, that we like to talk about over here internally is this, sort of our final point is you, you launch it, you listen, you learn, you take action, you act, and then repeat relentlessly. Repeat that process yeah. over and over and over again. Before you know it, you got a perfect product. You're on your way. You, it's got the flywheel. You got that needle in the arm. You got a little adrenaline boost, right? Because you, you, you've got a hit product on Amazon and then you're off to the races. So Jason, uh, I know people sometimes multitask when they listen to a podcast. I know I do. I'm walking the dog. I'm dropping kids off of the school. For people who need a takeaway, can you go through and recap the highlights and the most important pieces of today's episode? Because I want to make sure that nobody misses any of those steps. Because like sure. you said, you got to do all of them. You can't do some of them. Yeah, it's a holistic approach. You got to do them all. One of these doesn't fall through. It's a problem. So, so recapping, make great products. 
You don't have to launch a great product, but you got to iterate and make a great product ultimately. Improve on those things relentlessly over time to reach perfection. Number two, lay a great listing foundation, which incorporates SEO, high volume, relevant keywords, and that benefits marketing. Yes, layer in the features, but really make it simple and easy for the consumer to know what's exactly in it for them when they add to cart. Three, you got to drive traffic. You got you to gotta get your clicks and you got to get in front of people and get them to click through your product and make it enticing in order to do so. Four, uh, ship fast and free and errorless. Don't make any mistakes on that shipping. It'll come back to haunt you. Um, and then you know you can use Fulfillment by Amazon in, beautifully to, in order to scale that process. If you don't identify three geographic locations with third-party logistics companies to be able to deliver that fast, free experience on your own. And then, and then sort of last is, and finally is listen to the customer. The customer is your friend. Even when they're pissing you off because they're telling you your baby is ugly, thank them, listen to them and take what they have to say to heart and fix your product. So that the next time a customer like that interacts with your product, they have a great experience and not a bad one. Jason, I know a lot of people listening to this were probably inspired by this and go, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing, but also overwhelming. <laughs> and this brings up what I call the three levels of execution. Right. So number one, first level of execution is knowing what to do. We've just told people what to do. Level two is knowing how to do it. Um, people don't yet know how to do that. And number three is actually being good at doing it. So knowing what to do, knowing how to do it and being good at doing it. And I know there's people even out there who are listening who are good at it. And they're like, I just don't have time to do it. But for people who are in the first two levels of execution or just don't have the time to go, oh, my gosh, that sounds amazing. But I want to hire somebody who knows what to do, who knows how to do it and is good at doing it, what's their next step? Yeah, look, thanks, Shannon. If you're ready to start growing your brand on Amazon with an experienced team of Amazon operators to execute on the plan that we just laid out, then reach out to us at day2podcast.com. That's the word day, the number two, the word podcast.com. And we would be happy to help you start to build the next great American brand. Lastly, if you know of anyone else who would gain value from this podcast, please share it with them. We appreciate it and happy selling.